to The Thing About Aging. Michelle Aspinwall is an age alchemist, author and creator of A-Skin, Skin Care for Women Over 40, a certified health coach with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and the American Association of Drugless Practitioners. She works with women worldwide to relieve hormonal symptoms so they can age timelessly with a deep connection to their self. Michelle Aspinwall, welcome to The Thing About Aging. I am thank so you. excited to have you here. And Michelle, your website is phenomenal. Oh, thanks. I absolutely thanks. love it. The, the look of it, the, the way that you speak in it is so inspiring. Thank you. I read your about page you. and I literally was like just juicy with emotion. I was so filled <laughs> with hope. I was like, this woman gets it. Like she gets us. You're one of us, but you also have done the work to investigate yeah. and come Tons up with of work. Your, oh yeah. my God, which I'm so interested in. I was reading about on your website and you said, we are the glue, we are the teachers, we are the divine feminine. You must stop believing. We have nothing left to offer. You are not invisible. You are not absolute. Hallelujah, yeah. Michelle. Right on. Absolutely. And I love that you say the divine feminine because it's so much of our culture feels that we are no longer feminine when we are no longer fertile. Exactly. Bullshit. Exactly. Absolutely exactly. not. So I would love for you to tell the audience your story and how you've come to be where you are. Oh my gosh. How long do we have? How long do we have? <laughs> as long as you want, no, baby. No, seriously. I, so I started out as a set and costume designer and I, I did that for a long time. I was a professor at Fordham, the university in, in New York, and we've only recently just moved to Texas. We sort of escaped the, the craziness that was happening in, in New York city. And we've sort of, you know, planted roots now in Austin and we love it. Because of but the pandemic, I, you mean you moved to Austin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. We just, I just had to get out of the craziness of yeah. what was going on. Just watching the city like literally deteriorate day and day and wow. day and day. So here we are, we're in Texas and it's sunny and it's beautiful and the people are, you know, nice and felt like, how can I, you know, be a voice for women and a voice for change and stay in a stagnant environment that's no longer serving me mm. and watch something deteriorate and not be an active participant in it, right? So I had many health challenges early on in my late 20s and early 30s. I had I had burned every candle that was even remotely close to me from both ends and had a lot of health challenges and the you know western allopathic medicine although it is amazing and incredible if you break a bone if you need a, a transplant of some sort or you need stitches or something you know it's amazing but for women's health in particular, it's failing us as women. There's no um, research could, done for women. There's no attention paid to us. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And um, beyond that, I mean, I agree with everything you just said, but beyond that, the I just feel like we've lost as a culture. We've we've gained so much in, mm -hmm. our, in scientific information and yet lost what we as women 
stand for, which is generation information passed down from generation to generation and learning how to not only cultivate an internal sort of health, healthy environment in our body, around our body, around our family unit. We've lost this ability to do that. I call myself an integrative biohacker. So I do both Western science. I do a lot of testing, specialized testing on myself and collection of data, but I'm also very rooted in Eastern philosophy and, and the way that the East understands the, the integration of all the systems of the body. So, and I feel like as women, as in a modern society in our culture, although we have this incredible connection to Western science, we're at the same time, we're sort of losing our root connection to the earth, to practices that our grandmothers did. I feel like we're suffering. Yeah. It, yeah, you know, and I almost response. wonder if that's out of fear because we kind of feel like the earth is dying, that we're killing the earth. But the thing is, is if we lose that connection, we're not going to be able to keep the earth healthy for ourselves yeah. and keep ourselves yeah. healthy on the earth. It's such a connection. You're absolutely spot on. I couldn't agree more. And understanding that that the energy body, the emotional body, sort of our, you know, our, our, um, our emotions and our and our energy and and our health, like our physiology, our you know, the East calls it jing and, and we call it um, you know genes. They the, that that triple connection, right, is so integral to women's health, especially as women gather the years and we lose. And I don't mean that lose as as in it's a bad thing, but we lose the the hormones that actually fill in the gaps. And we, as a, as a generation, certainly generation X, we have to fill in those gaps with really, really strategic practices and rituals. And that's how we sort of move through the, in my opinion, this is how we move through this portal of, you know, from our, our, you know, I guess, maternal years, if you will, to this next phase of life, which, I mean, I'm not through it yet, but it I can feel the shift of having this just an abundance of knowledge and intuitive hits all the time. And that's, I I've got like one foot in that sort of maternal age, like where I still have hormones working on my side. And then I've got one foot on the other side, which is, you know, I don't need all this stuff. I don't need to look 30. I don't need to feel right like I fit into all the groups that I've been put in for the past 20 years, 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's an amazing time of life, but for a lot of women where I feel like, and going back to healthcare, where I feel like we're fit, you know, the healthcare system is failing women is we have a lot of feelings and they are both physiological and emotional feelings. And what I feel like women don't understand is this doesn't, you don't have to suffer through this. It's tricky. It can be a little tumultuous. It can be intense, but you don't have to suffer. And part of that, I think, is mindset. But I think the other part is learning how to support the vessel. Because we are a vessel and we are full of energy. We are energy beings in a, in a very material world, you know. But learning how to support the vessel is key. And that is my mission for women between 40 and 50 is like really, really changing the scope and the trajectory of women's health and, you know, really getting women to take their power back, to not, to not believe that you have to sit in an office 
describe how you're feeling and have somebody else tell you what to do <laughs> with something that is a pill, an invasive procedure, or God forbid, cutting out parts of you that have, that there's nothing wrong with your parts. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for some women, you know, some of these drastic measures are, are necessary and they can be life, you know, life-saving, but for the vast majority, this is not, this is not the answer. It should be a last resort, not the initial answer. I love how you say hormones don't balance, they dance. This feeling of, of being flexible and flowing with your emotions, but it's it it sounds like your lifestyle approach to this helps. Well, you explain it. How does it bring us into that dance in a healthy way? So once we hit 40, now for some women, for me, it was 42. Some women, it's 35, 36. You know, it could be late 30s, could be early 40s, could be mid 40s, just depends. And I think this is a, a big part of the genetic component. But what happens in our 40s is estrogen and progesterone, of course, we can't really talk about one without talking about right, the other, but right. our, our estrogen is really goes whack in our 40s. It doesn't start to really decline until late 40s or even early 50s. So it's not that we're necessarily losing estrogen, and I'm talking very broad strokes here. It's that it's doing whacked out you know, things. And because it goes whack, that's where the feelings begin. And for some women, those feelings can be quite intense. And for other women, it maybe isn't an emotional component, but it's a physical component. Like for example, they really heavy periods or, you know, they start to have really intense emotions, like, you know, dark, dark places Mm -hmm. of, you know, depression when they've never had depression before bouts of rage and they've over things that would never have enraged them before and or potentially anxiety Anxiety. anxious anxiety around things that would never have made them anxious before to the point where it keeps them awake it changes the way they eat it changes their relationship to their life and the loved ones around them so you know it's a physiological shift and it's an emotional shift right and so in terms of of hormones, they're not balanced. They're not meant to be balanced. They're not balanced in our 20s and 30s either. There's a constant shift, and the shift is very important. And when we have them working in our favor, meaning you know everything's turned on, switched on, and we're not on birth control or or you know some other medication, then we actually have that connection. The body has this it has these gorgeous loops and receptors for the hormones to actually do the jobs and do them brilliantly, right? So it's us that get in the way with, with our lifestyle habits and practices, things we prioritize, the way we supplement, you know, the people we have around us. So that's what that's kind of what makes up how our body functions. But then in our forties, again, when, when estrogen goes, goes whack, it shifts us into this place where we need to learn to dance with these feelings. And that's why I use that term. And it's, and especially cortisol, because for a lot of women, cortisol, this stage of life, and it begins at like mid, from my experience, like mid forties and goes on till, you know, mid fifties to late fifties. There's a lot of big events that happen in a woman's life. Right. Yeah. We, our bodies physically change, so we have to deal with the passage of time in the mirror. We have to either, we're either having children late in life or our children are becoming teenagers or our children are moving on to their adult stage in life. So any of those stages in and of themselves is a big deal. And then you add on top of that any sort of hormonal changes. And it can be, for some women, it can be quite devastating. It can take them to a, a really lonely place if you don't have a community of women that really help to guide and hold hold you right hold Mm -hmm. us and to help us feel like number one we're not alone 
again, number two, we're not obsolete, and number three, everything's going exactly as it should, right? And then, you know, aging parents. So there's nothing easy about aging parents, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing like watching your parents age, watching your parents go into potentially ill health while you have teenagers coming into those incredibly hormonal, intense hormonal years while you yourself are transitioning out of those hormonal years. I mean, if that isn't a perfect yeah. storm, I don't know what is. And you can't so, put your parents in time out or take away their Xbox. You know, it's no. a whole different relationship of, you know, yeah. you want to respect them, but at the same time, what their decisions yeah. aren't necessarily working for their, them optimally. Yeah. It's really hard. And especially our generation where they grew up on the the, the ridiculous governmental um, infiltration of the of our food system and, and mm. how food was one way in the 40s and 50s and then all of a sudden the 60s and 70s and, you know, food changes. And, and our parents had the benefit of really growing up on the most real food possible in some of the, the most natural settings. So they've got that going for them. Mm. Whereas our generation, I mean, I didn't grow up on real oh, food. Oh, Wonder I mean, Bread and beefaroni. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like the age of Velveeta, bologna, <laughs> um, you know, package everything like, and, and the, the onset of fast food really. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Right. The seventies and the eighties, eighties, especially was the fast food nation. So, yeah. I mean, we don't have that going for us. We don't have those mm, first nine years of like really solid nutrition. So I find that our generation is really, we're dealing with a lot. And on top of that, our mothers were also the guinea pigs for the onset of women's health. Hormone replacement therapy and the birth control didn't really exist before our mothers. So in some ways, we've come so far and we've created so many incredible avenues for women. And at the same time, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, we've lost our connection to that generational. I mean, I don't have a single woman in my family I can ask about menopause because they've either um, had a hysterectomy or they've been on really heavy hormone replacement therapy and not bioidentical hormones since before they were 40. And so they have no recollection of what true menopause is to transition through it. Now, that's not to say, and I want to be really clear, bioidentical hormones and hormone replacement therapy, it is... It is a great thing for women and by no means, and when I say no woman should suffer, I really do mean we shouldn't suffer through these years and it can be incredibly beneficial. But if a woman's going to go that route and if that's what her body needs in order to not suffer, testing and having someone who really gets hormones and women's health is crucial, crucial because there is a reason why we are dying of heart disease, dying of breast cancer, estrogenic cancers, or and or, you know, we have a higher incidence of inflammatory brain disease like Alzheimer's, dementia, and Parkinson's. I mean, we are twice as likely than men to have that happen. Mm-hmm. And it begins with what we do in our 40s when our, again, when our estrogen starts to go whack. I think the majority of women in their 40s need much more it would behoove women in their 40s to pay, to use their resources and pay attention to, because there's nothing cheap about hormone replacement therapy, bioidenticals mm. especially. You need to take care of yourself first. And by taking care of ourselves, that ripple effect goes out to not only our children, but every woman around us, including the older generations, right? right on. So I think if we use our resources and we really focus on 
uh, prioritizing food, which means in my in my scope of practice, prioritizing food means learning how to eat for your constitution, learning how to strategically combine foods that support your body and nourish your body to the highest level, and learn when to eat and when to give your body a rest from digestion, because digestion takes a huge toll on the body as we age. We don't actually need to eat as often as we eat, which doesn't mean to say we should eat less. It just means we need to give ourselves a rest from digestion, because when we are digesting, we are not actually building and uh, dealing with deteriorating and you know cells deteriorating in um, pre-autoimmune, pre-cancer cells. That only happens when we're in a fasted state. And it's much more effective as well. So eating for your constitution, prioritizing sleep. And that doesn't mean getting nine or 10 hours of sleep a night. That means really understanding, are you getting deep sleep, a good amount of deep sleep, a good amount of REM sleep and some light sleep? Because what our brains do in deep sleep versus what our heart does in REM sleep so there's all these different things you can measure, right? Mm-hmm. And um, what, how we sleep is a huge proponent to how our brains and how our hearts function as we transition, right? So that's sleep. Then no woman who's close to 50 has optimal digestion. So supplementing is a huge part of gathering years. So we can't, our di- we're only as healthy as what we can digest. You could be eating the best diet in the world, but if you're not able, if your body isn't able to assimilate those vitamins and minerals and nutrients, mm. then it doesn't matter. Then you're just kind of throwing money down the toilet, literally down the toilet. So <clears throat> that's really important is understanding how to supplement and what you need by both testing and knowing what the body is capable of at 45, 50, 55, 60 and on, right? Sorry, what of kind course. of testing? Fecal so testing or blood work? So it depends. So blood work is really helpful. So it's a series of different kinds of tests. There's blood work, there's urine tests. So there's a, a test that I do called the Dutch test, dried urine comprehensive hormone testing. Um, it's an incredible test. I think it should be, I actually think it's more beneficial for women to do that test than a mammogram because that test tells you how you metabolize your estrogen and how you metabolize your estrogen is giving you a much better indication of how your body is using estrogen. Right. And we can totally, I can completely go science here if you want, but yeah, sure. I just, that's one of the really important tests for women to understand, especially if you're on any kind of hormone replacement at all, bioidentical or, you know, creams, whatever it is. So I'm sorry. So the Dutch test shows us what our hormone balances. No. What does the Dutch test show us? So the Dutch test tests a lot of the major hormone, sex hormones, as well as how they metabolize. So hormone levels in the blood give us kind of a, if you will, a Polaroid shot of what our body's doing. And if you're not testing on the correct days of blood, those, the blood levels aren't really hugely helpful, meaning they don't give you an indication of how your body is not only using them, but also getting rid of them. Because we need to be able to make hormones, use them efficiently and effectively, and then get rid of them. Because we don't want dirty hormones running amok in our body. That's part of what happens when um, with estrogenic cancers, when estrogen is recirculated into the bloodstream. So we don't want that. 
So that's really important. So the Dutch test, and then it measures a few neurotransmitters. That's not, I wouldn't use the, that those levels as the most important part of the Dutch test, but the Dutch test, understanding how your body metabolizes hormones is really important. Okay, so, but won't that change based on what we just happened to eat the day before or where if we're still having cycles where we are in the cycles or no? Does that is that fairly consistent? No, not at all. Um, I mean, certainly it, it affects it a little bit, but but the way that the way the test is mm-hmm. and the way that the body metabolizes hormones, meaning the way it uses them and then pushes them out. So there's hormones that are active and then there's hormones that are more sort of um, accumulate. Right. Okay. And so what we want to understand is how much is usable and how much has accumulated, and then how does your body process? So it's kind of a three-step process. Okay, wow, fascinating. And different, different hormones are, are different, do different things, obviously, and it's especially good for women who have adverse symptoms, because here's the thing. A lot of times we, we're sitting in our doctor's office and we say, I have this symptom. Again, going back to the beginning of the podcast, I have, I'm really, really anxious or I feel really depressed, you know, the second half of the month. And my, you know, even if you're not cycling regularly, you, we still have hormones. We have hormones even after you pass through menopause. Right. Right. So understanding what the body is doing with those hormones is really important because some women need an herbal support. And this is again, the Eastern perspective, herbal support can do a woman a massive amount of good supporting the body, getting to the root cause of some of these um, adverse symptoms that a woman's feeling versus giving a woman an antidepressant. Now, again, I'm not a doctor and I certainly don't play one in my practice, but I just want to say that like no woman is deficient in Ambien or Prozac or those are not nutrients that we're deficient in. That's just basically adding something to us when in reality, maybe what we need is, you know, a more complex B vitamin, or maybe what we need is to support ourselves with iron. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of nutrients that we're actually deficient in that we don't test for that but rather we, we band-aid the symptom. And yep. so yep. in doing what I do and helping support women in their 40s, which is really important, if you support your body and you understand how to eat, how to sleep, how to how to supplement for your body, how to move for your, your stage of life, we are not 35 anymore. We don't have the capacity to exercise at 8 p.m. at night for you know, an hour on a treadmill and then be able to sleep two hours later. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't work like that. That sends our cortisol up incredibly high, which then puts our body in a constant fight or flight, which then shuts down digestion. You can see how just a simple shift like that. There's a lot of women who get up, they deal with their family, they go to work early, they're trying to kill it and slay in their profession, more power to them. And then they're trying to exercise at five or six or seven at night and then be in bed by nine. It doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know many 50 year old women who could do that and function really well um, hormonally. Mm -hmm. They can physically in their lives function well to a point, but then the body's going to break down. And so that's what happens. And then they start to feel adverse symptoms and they wonder why they feel so poorly, but yet they're not, you know, it's not always obvious to, to, you know, the regular woman who's kind of always been involved in her kid's life and what's going on at work and being, you know, an interactive co-partner with her spouse, right. Mm -hmm. Or, or a partner. So, 
sometimes I just information just isn't out there. And again, we're not getting it from our mothers, our aunts and our grandmas. So we have to get it from somewhere. Right. And just to be clear, you had said the Dutch test is maybe more important than a mammogram. I know you are not saying that mammograms aren't important. No, yeah, never. absolutely. Not at all. Yeah, absolutely yeah. not. And I believe what you're saying also is that um, this approach, maybe try it first without the mask of more traditional Western types of medicine. Is that what you're saying? So we can get a clear read on their impact. Sure. So what I what my point my point in bringing up specialized testing is that before we go on, for example, antidepressants. Um, sleeping, you know, Ambien, if you're having trouble sleeping, before we go on pretty intense medication Mm -hmm. or procedures, ablation, partial hysterectomy, things like that, try try the simple things, the the things that seem like there's no possible way this could make this much difference. I mean, I've worked with women who have completely, and when I say completely, like it blew my mind. I have worked with women who haven't been able to orgasm in a very long time. And then they change the way they support their body. And then all of a sudden their body changes. Wow. It is unbelievable. No one ever gets sick changing diet and lifestyle. You're never going to get sick (laughs) from supporting your body. It may not bring you to the level that you want, but it's never going to make you worse. When, When we know that we have really spot on diet, that we are prioritizing sleep, that we're in a relationship that serves us there you go. and yep. doesn't make us, you know, feel small or invisible or broken or, you know, fill in the blank. Right, right? on. That's right a on. huge part of huge. it. Yeah. Yep. Huge. Okay. So for the sisters out there that have already <laughs> are on Ambien or something, how mm-hmm. long does it take to kind of like, let's say they went off it to get a clear read with this test? would you say? So the test needs to be done at a particular time of the month. And it's usually between 19 and 21 days in your cycle. And for women who aren't cycling, you can take it at any time. It will still be beneficial. And for women who have irregular periods, I would recommend, you know, very much cycling with the moon. So recognizing that, you know, on a month where you do have a cycle, start to see where the moon is, what phase of the moon that you're in. Because generally women really cycle with the moon, meaning you can get a lot of information from the moon, even if your cycles are are irregular. And then you can use the moon as a guide. You can kind of use that as a guide. Okay. And that test then will help you understand what your body is doing hormonally. Now, most doctors, now here's the kicker though. The thing is, I wouldn't just do the test with anyone because it's not, we don't test, right? I don't test a woman, woman's hormones if we go through a month or six weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks of working together and we fix all of the, we fill in all the gaps in her lifestyle that need either support or a pivot or a complete rework in some cases, there's no reason to test first. You need to do the work first Mm -hmm. in those other areas. And then if you need the test, test for it. Now, if you're on bioidenticals or on hormone replacement therapy, that's when I would say, definitely be testing your hormones once a year because you want to know what pathway your estrogen is, you know, your estrogen, we have three different types of estrogen. They metabolize different down different pathways. And there's, there's a proportion. You want a certain proportion going down one, another proportion going down the second and another going down the third. And here's the thing. A lot of women think, Oh, if I just get a mammogram, I'll know. Well, in reality, you could actually 
be even more proactive at potentially preventing breast cancer by understanding that if you have a higher um, 4-OH pathway, for example, that's one of the things this Dutch test um, covers. I didn't know we would talk so much about the death Dutch, but here we are. <laughs> if you have a really high percentage going down the 4-OH, that's the more carcinogenic pathway. So, you know, a mammogram is helpful to see lumps, but if you know that your estrogen is, you're putting, dumping more estrogen down the more carcinogenic pathway, there's things you can do that don't involve pharmaceuticals to shift your estrogen over to the less carcinogenic pathway. And that is even more preventative than the mammogram because it catches it earlier on. Cool. Potentially. Cool. So you could be doing so much good and then recognizing, oh, am I methylating? Well, if you're not methylating, maybe do you need B vitamins? Do you need DIM? Do you need, you know, there's a lot of, there are so many herbals and supplements that can really support a woman's body up to you know, maybe needing bioidentical hormones or up to and in and in relation to a mammogram. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so again, yeah. reiterating, I'm not yep. saying mammograms are not important. I'm saying they are one component that tests one element, a data point, one place in your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And let's say that someone is taking Ambien or bioidenticals. I think I'm hearing you saying that it's it's still valuable to take the test while you're on those. It'll still give you information. I mean, it's it's really specific to the person, so okay. it's kind of hard to um, it's kind of hard to answer like a very general question. Gotcha. But I would definitely say um, there there's a protocol for it. So there's a whole list of instructions. So it depends. You know, there's certain adaptogens you need to kind of lay off. If you want to know your testing on hormones, then you stay on your hormones. If you want to know what your body's doing without them, you kind of go off. So uh, so you really need a professional, and you need to coordinate with your doc, I assume, and everyone's working together on this. Um, we shouldn't just take ourselves off ourselves and, you know. Well, no, of course not. Yeah. I mean, if you don't, yeah. if a woman doesn't know her physiology and understand the hormonal structure and understand, you know, how to titrate down off medication, by no means is are either of us saying that we need to do that alone always work with a healthcare professional, whether it's a healer, your doctor, a naturopath, a coach, whoever it is, right? Or get a dream team together. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Acupuncturist. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Um, exactly. Cool. Well, why don't we segue onto your um, eating approach? Let's see. You say, discovering embracing so many different kinds of food, both on my plate and the food that I fed my brain through my thoughts and lifestyle. I absolutely love that. And then you also said, after 40, our metabolism changes. If we don't learn to work, weight pulls on us. We don't want a fast metabolism. We want a flexible metabolism. And then the last thing that I loved, um, well, no, there were many other things, but I want to stop (laughs) talking and let you talk, was our metabolism is a thermostat, not a scale. Never just calories in and out. So if you can talk to all of that. Totally, totally. Thanks. I love that you're quoting me. This is your words are so delicious. Oh my gosh, yeah. So okay, let's talk calories because we were all kind of you know we've been raised to believe that we need to counter calories and we need to exercise and that to some extent and others it you know it's all a belief system right thoughts we think over and over again become a belief and then once we believe something that is 
generally what we bring into our life. So in terms of food, I think a lot of us were brought up to believe that as women, you know, we need to look a certain way, whatever that way is. For mm-hmm. some women, it's like you can look however you want and, you know, voluptuous and whatever. For other women, it's like you need to be tall, thin and wavy like the models that you see in uh, magazines. So there's an element of image. So what is your image? And then there's the other element of like, how do we actually nourish ourselves? So we nourish ourselves through what we look at, then the meaning we put onto it, and then who we surround ourselves with. And then who we surround ourselves with creates a lot of practices, right? Mm. So if you hang out with people who are like super athletes and they eat a certain way and then they perform a certain way, that's going to inform how you view life versus if you hang around people who love to have, you know, big smorgasbord parties and drink wine all night and laugh and dance and have fun. That's another way of, and that informs how you think and believe and how you, you know, basically utilize food. But the, the, the thing to, the main thing that I say to women when I start working with them is that really and truthfully food is just biology and it's us women who put a lot of emphasis and a lot of meaning on food. Like every single woman who comes into my life comes into my practice. They live their life the way they fill their plate. So there's women who fill their plate with loads and loads of food and they enjoy it and they love it. And they tend to live very big lives as well. And then there are women who will fill their plate, eat, and then the next day, they will punish themselves by exercising because what they eat is a direct relationship to what they have to do the next day. Yeah, that's me. Okay. <laughs> and then there are women who believe they can only eat certain things because their body doesn't do this and that and the other. And I'm not good at this. And my body doesn't do that. And all I have to do is look at a piece of cake and then it's on my hips. And it's like, there's all these beliefs around food and we tend to live in that belief system rather than just realizing food is biology what is my body type? What is my stage of life? Where do I tend to collect weight? Because where we collect weights has a lot about our hormonal cascade, especially in our 40s and 50s. Okay. And then lastly is understanding the actual biology and makeup of food. A hundred calories of broccoli is vastly different than a hundred calories of steak versus a hundred calories of candy corn. And this is, I mean, if you've listened to a podcast, I think I say this on almost every single podcast I'm on because when you really think about number one, the quantity of a hundred calories of broccoli, it's a lot of broccoli. And when you think of a hundred calories of steak, it's not very much steak, but there is an absolute ton of minerals in steak that are not in broccoli mm-hmm. and people can live certain people can live a lot longer on a hundred calories of, of steak. Other people can, can do really well and live really well on a hundred calories of broccoli. Very few people can live very well and be sustained on a hundred calories <laughs> of candy. So understanding, if you look at that, if you look at that example and you recognize, wow, so I guess it's not a hundred calories because a hundred calories of steak is going to do one thing. 100 calories of broccoli is going to do another thing. And 100 calories of candy corn is going to do something else. You can't live all day on 100 calories of candy corn. Your blood sugar is going to skyrocket. You're going to have lots of energy and then you're going to crash. Mm -hmm. And two hours later, you're probably going to be eating something else sweet because that sweet elicits the dopamine response in the brain, which makes you sweet, makes us want more sweet. Now, 100 calories of steak is not very much steak, but you're going to get a ton of minerals and a ton of vitamins in that steak as well as fat and protein. Now that's going to help build muscle 
but it's not necessarily going to keep you sustained for very long because it's a very small amount. 100 calories of broccoli is a lot of fiber, a lot of vitamins, a little teeny tiny bit of protein, but that's not going to keep you satiated for as long as the steak. So when you understand that food is just biology, then you can understand how does that work with my body? Because for me, 100 calories of broccoli would make me famished and want more and would make me overeat if I just tried to eat a a whole bunch of broccoli or a whole bunch of vegetables versus having a bit of meat, a ton of vegetables, and a little bit of fat or some fruit or something. That's a very different meal composition than a huge salad that's completely vegetarian with a little bit of nuts and seeds on top. For one person, another person, not me, that salad would be a fantastic meal and it would work really well for them. For me, I would be literally famished in 42 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I know that because I collect this data on myself and I test things. Whereas the, the steak meal for some women would be really heavy, would take forever to digest and it wouldn't work for them. And they would feel sluggish. They might even have bloating. For me, I don't have any bloating. I feel amazing. And I'm so satiated for like three to four hours and I'm not snacking. So that's really great for me. Well, for the candy corn, that's just going to, well, I already told you what that would do. So that's understanding food and what food does. And and for, for women, there's no one diet that works for anyone. So anyone who comes and says to me, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm 80% paleo, so I have a really healthy diet. Well, then we go through what do you eat? Because paleo is a very broad category. And some women, some people really understand and listen to their body and others don't. So I think in terms of diet, I really ask someone, I ask someone a series of questions. And those answers to those questions generate, you know, three different cascades of other questions. And then we start to get into how do they feel? Because how you feel after you eat should be how you determine, number one, is it working for you? Not how fast is it, how healthy is it, because you read it in a book or on a magazine or some celebrities doing it, but like actually how do you feel after you eat a meal? What's the lag time? I mean, am I responding just, my body responding just to the last meal or is it cumulative? It's both. Okay. It's both. So that's why, so the cumulative comes is the second set of questions. Gotcha, okay. Generally, I ask women to, well, first I ask women to do a seven-day food log. Most women, for three or four days, this is generally, they tell me this, so it's like once we get to know each other, they're like, God, the food log that week was the hardest week ever because I thought I had to blah, 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 blah. Try to be good, yeah. Try to be good. Because someone was watching, right? Yeah, exactly, (laughs) because... Someone is going to be watching and judging me or someone's going to be evaluating. Evaluating. Like, no, right, right. You, that's, that's how you eat. It's not a judgment. It's not a character basis. You're not flawed because you <laughs> have a piece of chocolate cake and a beer. Like, I don't give a shit. You came to me, right? You came to me because you want to feel better, look better, function better, right? So that's what I'm here to do. And if you can look great and function great on steak and beer, I mean, more power to you, yeah. but the majority of women can't. So that's why they, they seek help. The smart ones seek help. So that's kind of where it is. And then I use various techniques. I use, you know, constitution, face mapping, again, where you carry your weight, how you distribute your food through the course of the day. Because as we age, we can't just eat all the time willy-nilly. 
like I said, in terms of hormones in our stage in life, like you really, there's a very distinct time that people should be eating. And then there's a very distinct time where people should not be eating and not be drinking. And we just give the body a rest because mm-hmm. again, we're not 22 anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved how you said, did I already quote this to you? Uh, we are completely unique bio-individual vessels, vessels of interconnected systems. And that perfectly summarizes what you just said about how each person is different. Yeah, totally. No, you, I don't think you had quoted that either. Okay, but I meant to. We are com- yeah, we're completely, we're completely unique. And so that's why I said, like, for some women, for certain women with certain constitution, a more vegetarian diet with just a small amount of animal protein women thrive on that but there are some women Mm -hmm. again I'm one of those people if I eat fish for a week and a half and I don't have any red meat I ache everywhere in my body Mm. well I know why I ache everywhere in my body there's a certain nutritional component to you know animals that roam on four legs on the earth I need that you know physical makeup of that food that vitamin mineral calorie fat content to feel satiated to feel strong, to feel not in pain. I need that physical makeup. So I don't care that some, you know, celebrity cardiologist says eat a Mediterranean diet, only eat, you know, I can't do that. When I do that, I feel shitty. So why would I do that if I don't feel good? Well, that's where women start to get, again, we lose, we we give away our power so often. Mm thinking that we don't know when in reality we are our own greatest healers always and forever. I say to women, I'm not living in you, in your vessel. I don't know. So if you tell me this doesn't feel good or this feels amazing, I didn't know it could be this good. I have women who lose, I have a lot of Australian women who follow me, not a lot, but like, you know, I've got a nice little gaggle of women in Australia and they're like, kilos falling off of me and I always have to google like what's a kilo what's a kilo and a half pounds yeah they're like kilos falling off I've never eaten so much food and a lot of women we've learned as a culture and as a as an age group to really deprive ourselves of nutrients and yet we're undernourished and overfed we eat way too many calories and yet we're undernourished over and over again and as soon as you start to nourish the Mm. body the body doesn't feel like it's in a deficit Mm. you can actually watch the weight fall off it's effortless Mm. i love that undernourished and overfed yeah um now and i assume i'm asking you is there a, a transition period like i know if i start to eat beans which make me feel great in some aspects but i fart like like a cow I mean I'm like out in the field with the methane coming out of me I mean so but will my body and so I kind of give it up because it's embarrassing to be you know walking through the grocery store and so will that adjust after time well here's my question to you is Again, I can't answer, like, I couldn't answer that question just based on that right, amount right. of information. But the questions I would ask you is, how do you feel? Do you feel bloat? Because before there's gas, there's usually bloating. So if okay. someone feels, so after you eat a plate of beans, what are you having with it? How are those beans prepared? How, what, how much time? 
between the beans and the farting does it does it start? Okay. And how often are you eating the beans and at what quantity are you eating the beans? So there's wow. lots of questions and what type of beans are you eating? Because lentils versus red beans versus chickpeas, totally different nutritional content. Oh my God, you're blowing my mind. <laughs> there's so much to this. It is absolutely fascinating. And honestly, like in my face, private spree Facebook group called Hormone Mastery Over 40, this month, February, is February 1st. In fact, I did the graphic as you and I, right before you and I got on the phone. This month is Food First February because honestly, if women, if there's one thing that I could sort of, I mean, I'd love to be known for biohacking, but the reality is, is like most women know me because of food, because I have this program called Feeding Over 40. And it's really teaching women those three components. What is your constitution? Eating for your constitution, learning how to strategically combine foods for your constitution and your stage of life, which is not a 25-year-old. If you are over 40 or even close to 40, this program like really opens your eyes to how do you feel when you eat? Mm -hmm. Are you combining foods that are best for you? And then do you give yourself a rest? Because, for example, if you're having like a beamy kind of salady meal on top of a meal that was quite heavy just maybe two and a half or three hours ago, mm-hmm. like that's also going to make a big difference. But the, the key thing there is as we age, our digestion changes. So for some women, for the majority of women, as we lose estrogen, as estrogen goes from being produced in the ovaries to produced in the adrenal glands and adipose tissue, right? Because I don't call excess tissue fat because fat is a nutrient fat is not actually tissue so tissue is tissue tissue is created by an excess of food or calories or a lack of movement on top like you know day after day week after week year after year we accumulate tissue adipose adipose tissue adipose tissue okay that's particular to the to the belly region which is for the majority of women that is usually the greatest factor that changes as they age if a woman is very curvy very pear-shaped she's probably been a pear most of her life it's just it gets more pronounced but very few women start out with like waist to hip measurement being virtually the same or their waist being bigger than their hip Mm -hmm. measurement. Mm -hmm. We just don't start out like that as kids. Oh, it's like Um, my adipose tissue slid around from my ass to my belly. It just like my (laughs) butt disappeared and now I got a belly. Yeah. And I mean, some of that is truly and honestly the effect of aging and there is no, I mean, there are ways around it. I wouldn't necessarily say they're necessarily safe and healthy in other areas, but I mean, if a woman wanted to get rid of that, she could, but at the detriment of what, right? We've all seen weightlifters or intense athletes and they have, they have, uh, incredibly, what's the best way to say this? They have particular lines on their face that are very distinct. So most women who lift weights or do an an intense amount of athletic training in their late 40s and 50s tend to have very pronounced smile lines. And generally either some sort of up and down lines between the eyes and potentially even wrinkles across or lines across the forehead. Mm -hmm. So there's that says something about a woman that says that she's using parts of her body. And again, this is my Eastern side talking, this is the face mapping, but that's something for a woman to really take into account. Like what is, what is the effect of what you do on your body? Cause mm. it, everything we do affects something, right? We sitting, sitting still all day long 
affects one thing. It might be great for your mind. It may be a great rest for your your emotional state, but resting all day and not walking mm-hmm. doesn't build any muscle. It doesn't burn burn any excess calories, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't move and get the blood pumping. So we always have to balance that, right? We have to balance when we exercise, when we move, with when we rest, with what we eat, with how much we eat, with when we do eat and don't eat versus when we go to sleep and how we sleep and who we sleep with. It's all a balance, right? It's all a dance. Balance isn't really a great word. Oh, it's so all rich. So rich. Yeah. 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 A, a couple years ago, I was... Well, until I got COVID, actually, in October, I was over-exercising. But I, but I wasn't, I was also under-eating a couple years ago, and I had incredible stress in my life, which was burning it like a furnace. Yeah. And it got so that I was got down to like a size two, or I, I was a zero for a little bit. And um, I, I just, it was so unhealthy, because I would just fall out if I didn't eat <laughs> at a, exactly the right time or and I was a crab muffin and and I had those the lines that you're talking about so I hear mm-hmm. you absolutely yeah. and that goes back you actually asked me earlier and I don't think I touched on it you asked me about metabolism and, and the furnace um I think women we always we're, we're always wanting a fast metabolism because then we can eat anything we want mm-hmm. and then we can have you know we can have this trim waist and the wear the skinny jeans and all of that bit, mm-hmm. um, which I'm all about wearing whatever you want to wear, whenever you want to wear it. But the the thing about metabolism is we want a resilient meta- metabolism. What I mean by that is you want to be able to go, because as human beings, if you look at the evolution of human beings, we have never, ever been, had such an abundance of food. And again, as nutrient deprived as we are, we never are lacking in food, but we are always lacking in nutrients. Even if you're growing your own food, the soil in which, unless you are like quite literally, you know, rotating and giving, you know, soil a break and doing special crops in between and then planting and and using, you know, a particular kind of seed, like unless you're really going to like the umpteenth degree of homesteading, like, 6.0 the majority of us are are lacking in magnesium magnesium is a nutrient that has over 300 functions in the body so it's one of the things that women traditionally don't supplement with and as soon as they start supplementing with magnesium they feel a thousand times better they sleep better they have less aches and less pains it's just incredible their mood you know elevates ever so slightly but the the point of the metabolism is we want to be able to be resilient because as hunter-gatherers, which is what we were for thousands of years, we've only been what we are now for like the past 70 or 80 years, and then Industrial Revolution, really only 200. So when you look at the evolution of where we are now versus where we were 150 years ago, it's massive. But that 150, we haven't caught up, our, our physical bodies haven't caught up with this with this modern lifestyle that we lead. And so we're meant to be able to go long periods of time in famine, meaning in a deficit of calories. Okay. And then we feast on, you know, we'd have a big kill, right? Like the men go out, they have a big kill, they bring it home and we feast for days. The whole tribe feasts for days. And then we grow and we forage for like loads and loads of variety of greens and berries and bark and 
nuts and seeds and all sorts of things. And that's what we sustained ourselves on mostly. And then there was the winter months for a lot of, Mm. a lot of, and there wasn't a lot to eat. You had to just kind of eat small amounts. So that gave us a very resilient metabolism. So we bulked up and we ate when there was a kill and then we slung down. And so that we're meant to be able to do that. So women are able, we have the ability to gain and lose weight very quickly. We want to maintain that ability as much as possible Mm. because when we maintain that ability, it means that then all of the hormone levels that have to do with blood sugar and insulin and um, fat storage are working at their greatest capacity efficiently and effectively. Leptin, cortisol, um, insulin, you know, all of those, estrogen, mm-hmm. all of those are working in a way that they are able to go up and down as they're meant to. So that's why we don't actually want a fast metabolism because if you're 52 and you have a fast metabolism, you're burning through a lot of your food calories and nutrients very quickly and maybe not assimilating them and if you can't assimilate Ah. them as i said earlier you're actually not gaining them Mm -hmm. so you don't want to have something that burns really fast it's like if you think about a thermostat you don't if you turn the air conditioner and you put it on 70 you know you want you want your house at 70 or 72 you don't want it to get to 72 in three seconds you want it to gradually cool the house Mm -hmm. and then keep it around that temperature and kick on when it gets to I don't know, 75 or 76. You don't want it to wait till it gets to 99 and then turn it on. And at the same time, you don't want it to go to 67. Mm-hmm. You want it to stay around 72 because there's a big difference between 65 degrees mm-hmm. in in your house and 72 degrees. Like mm-hmm. one is like, oh, I need to put socks on or oh, I need a sweater. And the other is like, oh, this is a really comfortable temperature. And I'm just making these numbers up. Yeah, yeah, no, I get like, you. The analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I I do want to make a shout out. This is just an aside to my our sisters that are naturally in balance and and doing their optimal dance at size two, because I think we do a lot of right now we're conscious about if size 16, 22 is where you're naturally in balance, be there. But I think our skinny sisters sometimes get dissed. They don't get So I do want to just acknowledge. But for me, it was not healthy. It was not yeah, where I, totally. I'm, I'm naturally. And you realize that. You realize that because you weren't happy. There's no. some element of you that didn't feel good. No, exactly. And so when, you, when we don't feel good, it's our responsibility to own who we are, what we are, and how we feel. And then what are we doing to feel like that? And you get to have a better life. You get to feel differently. You get to take it on yourself mm-hmm. with help, if you desire, with a with a community. You get to make changes. We're not broken. It won't last like this forever. You actually can change. It's never too late, Ooh. right? We should have done this 10 years ago, but... You know, it's never too late to start, and you actually can move the needle quite fast. That's what I have to say to every woman out there. All right. Well, that's a great place to end. But two things. I just want to mention that Michelle does have a skincare line of natural, would you say botanical? or or I mean, it comes from plants, correct? I do have a skincare line. It is made entirely of oils, herbs, uh, butters, and botanicals. And so it's completely self-preserved in the ingredients. It's made in very small batches by women for women, um, and certainly women over 40. I am, you know, almost 49. So 
I started this line, you know, back in when in my 30s when I couldn't find, you know, before natural skincare was like a thing where I couldn't find what I wanted. So I started mixing stuff. And then when I first started seeing clients, um, one woman was like, I saw people in, in my kitchen and one woman was like, well, what do you, you know, we were, I was trying to help her with her autoimmune disease. And she said, I said, you, we gotta, you, I gotta get you off chemicals. Like it's going to really shift the needle. And she said, well, I don't, I don't, where do I buy lotion if I don't get it at the drugstore? I was like, you need to use oils or, you know, something that's more natural. So she's like, well, what do you use? I'll just use what you use. And I was like, oh, well, I make myself. She's like, well, make me some. And I was like, Okay. So then I just started bottling it and, you know, I gave a bunch of friends and, and this one client, my first sort of bottled, cause I would just mix it based on what I wanted, but I had to like really formulate it. And so that's how it began. Fabulous. How would you like to end this Michelle? Just for women to really stand in their power and own how they feel. And you have 100% ultimate say. They are the master of their own ceremony. They can be, look, feel, change, pivot, reimagine anything in their life of where they are. And we just, if we live in desire, it's the greatest thing ever. Ah, I just got goosebumps. I love that. Okay, so where do we find you, Michelle? Facebook, it's just Michelle Aspinwall. Instagram, it's Michelle P. Aspinwall, P as in Peter. And my Facebook group is Hormone Mastery Over 40. Fantastic. Thank you for your work. Thank you for the hope. Love you. Love you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Michelle Aspinwall. And thank you for joining us at The Thing About Aging. And as always, your body's unique. So before you make any changes to lifestyle, medication, Please inform yourself, Google, talk to your doctor. May you be well. Bye for now and see you the next time on The Thing About Aging.